0: Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Nowlin. Today we have a rare opportunity to talk with thought leader and entrepreneur Jordan Rayner. Jordan helps Christians respond to the radical biblical truth that their work matters for eternity. He does this through his best selling books, The Creator and You, Redeeming Your Time, Master of One, and Call to Create. He also offers a podcast titled the Call to Mastery, and a weekly devotional called The Word Before Work. His content has served millions of Christ followers in every country on earth. So, Jordan, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and loved reading your book, Call to Create. It was actually really impactful in my own life, and it's great to have you on the program.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Jonathan.
0: You this is really fun. Uh, I love this topic and I, I do relate to a lot of redemptive entrepreneurs, a lot of creatives, and I think they're going to love the content of the book. And I really want to encourage them to read that, but I also want them to hear your heart behind it and the, a lot of the why of you, why you came to this point, why you wrote it. Yeah. So there's a fair number of people, you know, at least in that I know of who do recognize your books and your name. They've heard uh, you share in some form or another but for those of you that are new to this, they're new to this work, maybe they're new to redemptive entrepreneurship, uh, new to your ministry and your writing. Can you give us a bit of your journey, like your backstory? Yeah. How'd you get here?
1: Yeah, it's a, that's that's the right question uh, to kick things off on. Yes. Yeah, so um, the shorter version of the story is I, I spent 10 years as a tech entrepreneur. That was That was my thing. I started and sold a a couple of different companies early in my career. And um, it was after I was exiting that second company um, that I was trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do next with my life. And when you sell two companies, kind of the natural thing to do is go do another one, right? (laughs) Right. But I didn't really have another idea. So I was kind of open to (laughs) different opportunities. And um, once in a morning, my Wife and I went to church and had a guest preacher there. And I heard, unfortunately, a a very familiar sermon that I'd heard a million times before. Hmm. Uh, This guy guilting me, (laughs) Uh, obviously not by name, but guilting me. How dare I want to go start another business when there's a need for people to move to mud huts 5,000 miles away from home to, quote unquote, go and make disciples of all nations. Right. And so... For a hot minute there, my wife and I were praying about this uh, and really seriously considering not starting a business, but starting a a church. Wow. And by the grace of God alone, I had a godly mentor in my life uh, pull me aside one day. He knew what I was considering doing. (laughs) He's like, uh, hey, I heard you're thinking about planning a church. And I'm thinking this guy's going to pat me on the back, maybe write me a check to get this (laughs) church started. And he looked me square in the eyes and goes, yeah, I got to be honest. Um, that sounds really dumb
0: for hmm. you
1: personally. Wow. It just does not sound like a good idea. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Jordan, you're a talented entrepreneur. You've created jobs. You've created wealth. I've seen you make disciples as you built your businesses. Why in the world do you think you have to plan a church in order to do quote unquote ministry? Don't right. you think your work is or at least can be? ministry and i had no idea what this guy was talking about and he encouraged me to go back to my bible go back to genesis one read it through the lens of the conversation he and i had and and report back what i saw what i saw changed my life okay i saw that before god tells us that he is loving or just or omnipotent or holy he tells us that he is a god who creates. As I say, in called the great, I would argue God's the first entrepreneur. And this was a radical idea. And before there was the great commission in the world, there was the first commission to humankind, the call to create, which was never, ever rescinded or retracted. That's right. Just constantly reiterated to humankind. And that blew my mind. And so, um, obviously I didn't go start a church. <laughs> I <laughs> I went and ran somebody else's tech startup for a few years. Okay. And in the process, as I was running that company, I had my first book called The Crate come out, did really well. And now the irony is now I'm doing this work full time, right? Right. Creating this content that's telling other people to stay in the same jobs that I left of tech entrepreneurship because that worked as ministry. Wow.
0: What a deal, man. You That brought you into quite a point of emphasis that experience it sounds like and it sounds like there was a bit of value having somebody alongside you that could speak truth into your life um, to kind of bring that out it's interesting do you find that a lot of people even in say a tech the tech sector or entrepreneurs don't really understand this or have never really encountered you know what i what i call the original commission what you're just de- you're describing yeah. as this first kind of command from god is that a kind of a yeah. new factor for most people
1: you know I, I think for a lot of people, unfortunately, it is. But listen, by God's grace, I think a lot more people are understanding this. Yeah, um, I think we as a capital C church have a long way to go in really unpacking the implications of that. Sure. Um, we are so Great Commission obsessed. I was just talking to a leader of one of the largest missions agencies in the U.S. saying, quote, Jordan, I think we are overplaying the Great Commission. I think he's right. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of people think fair. that sounds heretical. I think he's spot on. Um, and as you pointed out, Jonathan, in a way, the great commission is simply a reaffirmation in yeah. some ways of the first commission. Yeah. And so I do think, I do think there are a lot of people who have yet to hear this message, but I think increasingly there are more who have heard it and are trying to understand what are the implications of this? Sure. Knowing that I can make disciples of all nations as an entrepreneur or a pastor, Knowing that, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that my labor in the Lord is not in vain and somehow matters for eternity, how ought I to respond to that reality?
0: Yeah, I, I would I would agree. I'd say we're kind of in I um, I don't know, a, a, an awakening in a way, and perhaps yeah. like a small reformation around this. Yeah. Uh, at least in the concept level, people really understanding this, engaging with the theology of it. I know I've uh, written some to this area. You've written to this area. And I think a lot of other folks are starting to circle around this and, and shore up what must be a real weak area, actually, in recent church history. And it's proving out. But, yeah, I'd say the unpacking part and the application part is really uh, a challenge right now. That's the the thing that's ahead but Here's
1: of this. where this movement's got to go, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. I think, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are finally at the place where they're like, oh, right. I can make disciples as I'm going, wherever I'm going throughout my life. I think we're all there, or a lot. We're not all there. I think many more people are there than were 20 years ago. The thing I'm trying to wrestle to the ground right now, Jonathan, is there's still this um, unbiblical lie that lay back up. When we say our work matters for eternity, Mm -hmm. I think most people interpret that as, oh yeah. I go to work so I could share the gospel with my coworkers. And yes, absolutely, but that is only a fraction of how our work matters for eternity. And I think the source here, where the movement needs to go, is in preaching a more accurate and unabridged version of the gospel.
0: Mm, We have abridged
1: the gospel in the last 200 years of church history. N.T. Wright's written about this. A lot of people have written about this. The guy, if you go into any church in the West today and say, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? They're going to say the gospel is the good news that Jesus came to save you and me from our sins, right? Right. Yes. But But that is a fraction <laughs> of the gospel. Jesus came to redeem all things, yeah. not just individual people. And not so that we could wait for heaven to fall from the sky, but so that we can co-labor with him and the power of the spirit to help renew creation and ensure that heaven breaks in right now into the present. So yes, our work matters as a means of making disciples, but it also matters because our work help weeds out what's not going to be a part of the eternal kingdom of God It's oh, plant great. seeds in the world that point people to the eternal kingdom of God. And oh, by the way, at its most foundational level, our work matters simply because we've done in obedience and with excellence and love, It brings God pleasure. Sure. And that is good enough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's anytime you obey in the kingdom of God, there's blessing that comes with that. And people accidentally obey in the work by having a job and working. And they're accidentally blessed even by God because he rewards obedience. And, you know, in this this journey for you, you know, was there... uh, kind of a catalytic moment where you thought, you know, I need to write a book about this. Like what was the, what was the, the trigger for that?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So after I had this aha moment, um, I went out and read everything I could on this topic. And, um, and I frankly, so I read, I read the, the the real formative book was um, Every Good Endeavor by Keller that had just come out around that time. Which is such a good book. I still recommend it. But I had like really specific questions about how does the gospel shape my work as an entrepreneur specifically? Okay. And it wasn't, I I was having a really hard time finding a really good resource there. Mm. So I went out and just interviewed a lot of current Christian entrepreneurs who are thinking really deeply about that question. Yeah. But also, waiting back and researched people who had long passed, like one of my heroes is Arthur Guinness of the Guinness Brewing Company.
0: Right. Right. right.
1: Um, and the founders of In and Out Burger are like mm-hmm. really fascinating me. So, looking at these stories. And as I was doing my research, at some point along the way, I looked at my moleskin full of notes and was like, this is a book. Like, this started out as a quest to answer my right. own questions. But I got to bet that there's a lot of people out there with these questions and sure enough, uh, by God's grace alone, that book has done extremely well and continues to sell well five years after it's been launched. Sure, and Turns out there's a lot of people with these questions.
0: Sure. Well, I know it's, I, I even found it uh very informative and impactful for me and, and I'm in this space. Like there's a yeah. lot of stuff you brought up that, y- you know, you just need other voices and perspectives and the way that you, bring out the story from all of these different case studies and examples, I think it paints a great picture of kind of how God works across the board around the world in all uh, sectors, every level of society that there is a main thing. There's a main purpose. There's what I call an original design that yeah. people are looking for and they're trying to resonate with, but they're not being taught. Yep. It's not. Yeah. And listen, out.
1: like none of this is new theology, right? I, I would say, I was sitting down with the, uh, uh, with with the gentleman who edited keller's ever good endeavor right before called the crake came out he's like hey so what's new about this book and i laughed i was like nothing there's no there's nothing new. <laughs> this isn't like new things but i think the expression of them is resonating with people in a different way than before sure. right and i think it's why we need so many more voices why i'm so excited about what you're doing jonathan because we need a lot of people different people saying the same thing in a lot of different ways in order for different um different people in different blocks of society to grasp these truths and let it change their lives. Right. So the end isn't selling books. The end is lives being changed so that the church is on fire for the gospel of the kingdom in every square inch of society.
0: Yeah, it's really true. You know, and the, the message that you're, you're, you're in, as you're indicating, this is not new. It's recently lost, but it's very old. And yes. one of the things I found as I was working through it, it's like, this is like a recovery process. We're trying to recover something here that was lost from the early church and also the hole that it left in society and in the church. And, you know, the term I settled on was recovering the dignity and mission of vocation because yeah. it wasn't like bringing something new to light. It was like, hey, we got to pull this back in and, yeah. uh, and put this purpose, this element of purpose back into our original design here.
1: You know what is new and thus what we should be highly suspect? The abridged gospel. Sure. That Jesus came to save me from my sins. Yeah. This is new. Yeah. This did not, if you went back, let's call it to the early 1800s and a fellow believer asked you to explain the gospel and you said, it's a good news that Jesus saved me from my sins. They would look at you back. And, and what else? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Right? Is that like, it? <laughs> this is novel and thus it should be highly suspect. And when we get a bigger picture of the gospel, we get a much bigger picture of the purpose of our work.
0: Sure. I mean, you're recovering the gospel, the kingdom. People sometimes yeah. ask me, you know what's that gospel that Jesus was preaching before he died and was rose again, raised again? <laughs> They're like he, you know, if he's, you know, what gospel was he talking about? Because it gets a little confusing if you realize he was actually preaching the gospel. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. gospel of the kingdom. Uh, you know, touching on this thing of creativity, this is really good, and I think will be really uh, redemptive for those in this area, the entrepreneurs I'm relating to and others. But you know, how does creativity? matter to creation and eternity i know you touch on this in the book and i really want people to get this that there's eternal worth and value in their vocation and their work and in their calling and what's the impact of this observation you know that that creation uh, and eternity benefit from your creativity
1: yeah i I think you're alluding to isaiah 60 (laughs) yes um one of my favorite passages of scripture so first let's backtrack for a second uh because i don't think a whole lot of christians understand this right yeah they don't. ultimately it is not we who go to heaven it is heaven that comes to us right right got to get that crystal clear but even if we do understand that that heaven is on earth uh, eventually i still think we have an anemic theology of what heaven on earth is like for right? sure um yeah. and isaiah 60 shows us that we're not just going back to eden as so many suppose we are going in a way back to the future right, <laughs> right. of eden the garden plus all of the filling of the earth that god commanded in the beginning think about it god's right. first command of humankind fill and subdue the earth he told us to take this earth make more of it make culture create because he is a creator right Sin broke all of that. But God, because sin broke that, God is going to redeem all of the works of culture we've been doing from here then. And Isaiah 60 gives this beautiful picture of this. So, this is Isaiah's parallel um, vision to Revelation 21 and 22, John's vision of the new heavens and the new earth. And what Isaiah sees is the new Jerusalem. And all of the nations are coming back, are coming into the city, coming to the New wow. Jerusalem, but they're not coming empty handed. Okay, They are bringing acts of culture along with them, right? Wow. So there are the ships of Tarshish. Ships are a cultural good. You take sure. wood, you make it something better, it's a boat. There is refined gold, there's frankincense, there are agricultural goods. Jesus told us that there is wine on the new earth. Wine is not something that's natural. That is a product of human invention and ingenuity. What's the point? Some of the physical things that we create in this life will last the fire of judgment and will physically exist forever when heaven comes to earth. And if that doesn't motivate you, to create in line with the principles of our king to create with excellence right. and love and sacrifice in Jesus's name man i, I, I don't know what does <laughs> revelation 21 uh 2126 calls this the glory and honor of the nations that's what we should be striving for creating wow. products so great so beautiful so pure that Jesus will take them and use them to adorn the new creation
0: yeah it's like the uh, it's like the element themselves is it's redeemed it's like what yes. it's like a, a picture of redemption and when we talk about culture and redemptive aspects of culture it's like that the way i like to describe it is like that which is found to be compatible with the kingdom of god is preserved yes. and yes. and is uh is honoring to god it's an actual fruit of worship to god
1: well this is what paul's talking about i think in First corinthians 3 Right, he he's talking. He's contrasting the elements that we build with, that right. we create with. He says, you know, uh, some some will build with costly stones and gold and whatever. Yep. Others will build with wood and hay. The fire of judgment is going to come, and whatever is built with the the good materials is going to survive. Right. Right. I think he's alluding to Isaiah sixty. I think these are I think these are complementary passages. God's going to bring judgment upon every deed, every person, every square inch of creation. But those things that last are going to be purified. They're going to be perfectly redeemed. And some of it is going to last forever. Some stuff's just going to burn up sure. uh, altogether. Pornography has no place in the kingdom of God. It's all burning away. But gosh, I think Nutella's is going to survive, right? I think, I think, I, I think. Uh, tables, beautiful tables built with love for customers and love for employees. I think some of those are going to last. I imagine Jesus's own tables are somehow going to be redeemed and restored in the new creation. I don't know how, who knows how God's going to do this, but the clues are right there in scripture. And I think they're there to motivate our obedience, our faithfulness and our work with excellence and love.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think even another- Another dimension of entrepreneurialism is in the area, even beyond products, so to speak, is the the, the the ideas and the concepts and even the areas of like systems and things that are like formed out of a combination of wisdom from God and the activity of men working together and co-laboring. I mean, I know a lot of people who are entrepreneurial, they're like, well, what if I don't make products or what's going to last from what I'm doing in a system sense in the culture? You know, do you see the same redemptive capacity in that?
1: Yeah, listen, it, I think it's I think it's really hard for us to imagine how yeah. those things wind up in eternity. But go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The work you do in the Lord, meaning animated by the Holy Spirit in accordance with his commands, is not in vain. Sure. I have no idea how it's not in vain, right? I don't know exactly what that looks like. But we're promised that it's not in vain. Now, maybe that just means there are rewards attached to our faithfulness in the present, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than that. Sure. And again, I don't know what that looks like concretely. How does a system or a policy that's redemptive uh, last under the new earth? I have no idea. Well, right? is it, at a
0: minimum, it's a form of worship
1: if yeah, 100%, it's done right. Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. And I'll tell you what. One way I've been I've been meditating on for the last few weeks about how these things might matter for eternity at a minimum, they bring God pleasure. Sure. And that lasts for eternity, right? Yeah. You're going to be on the new earth working in your new vocation. See Isaiah 65 long, enjoying the work of your hands, Isaiah 65, 22. And Jesus is going to come up alongside you back. Hey, Jonathan, remember that time back in the previous age where you had the opportunity Uh, To take advantage of that customer and you didn't, that really made me smile. Or hey, remember that time you, you just designed a better process, a better system in your work to serve people, to love your neighbor as yourself? I took great delight in that. The Psalms tell us that God delights in every detail of the lives of the godly. So just going to work and doing that work in love and genuine service of your neighbors lasts for eternity because God sees it and will remember it. For yeah. Eternity.
0: And he'll entrust you to continue yes. that in eternity. Cause even with the, you see that with the parable of the talents, yes. like you did well with something that seemed inconsequential. Here's 10 cities because you managed that. Well, let's escalate that. Use the same approach you did to, to uh, service this piece of investment in my kingdom. And then now do the same thing in these 10 cities, you know? And so there has, there has to be some value to doing that small thing well, doing the, I always say, doing things God's way in God's universe to yeah. produce uh, what will last eternally.
1: I was um, i was just talking with Johnny Erickson Tana the other day and she said something, the way she said it was so profound, it, it just made me kind of stop in my track. Everything Johnny Erickson Tana says is profound. He's kidding. Yeah, no kidding. She said something along the lines of Jordan. She's like, I've just come to the place where I realized that. Every single moment of my life is an opportunity to either earn more responsibility in my job in the eternal kingdom of God or less.
0: Wow. That's excellent. Every moment. Yeah.
1: That's a that's a great way to think about it, right? That is. As you go to work tomorrow, every interaction, every email, every new product launch, every campaign is an opportunity to earn more or less responsibility in the kingdom of God. Wow.
0: That's excellent. I I think it gives people such a day-to-day perspective, a spiritual perspective, a spiritual lens when they wor- realize they're working um they're working for reward eternally and there's a favor that God wants to bring. I think the word says uh the Bible says that he's coming and his reward is with him and yes. that he's ready to reward people and uh, that's exciting. That gives you it gives meaning even to some things that seem mundane on a day-to-day basis that you're yes. like this is going to be amplified eternally. Yeah. You know, there's this uh, there's this term I like, at least in how you describe the book and in the book about the growing creative class uh, that we're we're seeing around the world. I would say that's really been amplified in the aftermath of COVID. Uh, a huge, huge push towards entrepreneurial uh, yeah. measures and endeavors it's it's unlike anything before i think there was some statistic recently that said like five million people quit their jobs and five million people became entrepreneurs like it was this (laughs) direct equivalent of where did they go well they went off to try to start something and uh so in this kind of growing creative class um you know what what's the distinctive for someone in the kingdom who's a believer and they're part of this growing creative class uh what does that look like for a believer in your estimation?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it looks, I think it looks a lot deeper than making all the T's in your logos crosses. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it looks deeper even than looking for every opportunity to share Jesus' name. Although we should do that. Sure. Right. Um, yeah. Listen, I think for entrepreneurs, um, it looks like looking around the world, figuring out what doesn't look like the kingdom, and starting something that does as yeah. a, as a better alternative, right? And again, that doesn't always have to mention Jesus's name explicitly, right? right. Um, but you know, but I, you got to be careful here too, right? Because anytime we talk like this, um, about fixing what's broken in creation, or 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 creating signposts to the new creation. We can very easily slip into another hierarchy of callings, right? Sure. So all of us are here saying, right? Everyone's work matters—not just the work of the pastor, or the missionary, but it can be very easy to be like, well, the work of, uh, for example, my friend Scott Harrison at Charity Water, providing clean water mm-hmm. um, for the world, um, matters so much more than the work I do as an accountant. And in some ways, I, I think it's true that some work does matter more in the grand scheme of eternity all work has equal dignity sure. but some work does matter more but it's a mistake to think that the work you do as an accountant or a civil engineer has no value right sure. uh, again there are eternal rewards attached to it it brings god pleasure but anyways back to the back to the entrepreneur yeah i think the christian entrepreneur is distinct in their motivations okay for why they create right I'm not creating to make a name for myself and making myself look good on Crunchbase or LinkedIn, but I'm doing it as a means of making Jesus look great. And I think how we do what we do should look different. We should be willing to help our enemies.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Help our
1: competitors. It's a radical idea. We should be thinking about how to sacrifice our power. If you're one with natural privilege for those that have less privilege and less opportunities, right? We should be creating the most excellent products in the world because we believe we are made in the image of the first entrepreneur, the creator God who creates with nothing short of excellence. Excellence is too trite of a word to describe the (laughs) way the God of the Bible works. So I think the answer to that question are endless. There are lots of different ways that we should change the way that we work. Um, based on our apprenticeship to jesus those are just a few that come to mind
0: No, it's really good and i I love how you circle back to also you know not allowing for that kind of false delineation between what i would call this like people who are job takers versus job makers Yeah. because oftentimes what i've seen is uh you know we look at we think entrepreneurial endeavors are maybe more difficult and they probably are on some levels but you at least have the ability in that context to, sh- to determine what your own culture is going to be. You can yeah. decide. Whereas when you take a job in the mid-level of a corporation and you're an accountant, you don't have the option to determine the environment, the culture. You don't have that privilege or prerogative as the entrepreneur does. And so you really have to rock that job spiritually. Because if you're going to make a kingdom uh, impact uh, in that space, you've got a whole nother set of challenges that you're working with. So it's highly valuable, highly dignified and highly spiritual in that space. Very well said. But, um, uh, you know, I guess one of the important bits would be points of guidance. You know, as you come out, as you've come through a lot of entrepreneurial endeavor, you're writing about it, you understand the spiritual dynamics of it. You know, what's a couple of key points of guidance for people who view themselves as entrepreneurs? You know, what would you tell them?
1: Uh, about what specific about how to build a great business? Well, just that, that calling, faith at work? like yeah. just
0: that calling of being a redemptive entrepreneur that's on their heart. They're moving that direction. You know, are there one or two things that are like must do's and maybe one that's like a don't do <laughs> that are, these are, these will make or break you kind of things.
1: Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, listen, never stop preaching the gospel to yourself. That's good. One, right. Um, every day. every day reminding yourself that the God of the universe died for you when you were his enemy and thus he loves you no matter how productive or unproductive you are. Right. That gives this ultimate soul level rest that ironically enables people to be even more ambitious for their work, Hmm. right? Because when I am, working as a means of earning somebody's favor, whether it's my parents or my spouse or God's, that's exhausting. You right. can never do it. You can never achieve it. When you work when you're working in response to unconditional favor that's secure regardless mm-hmm. of what you do, that's intoxicating. The most ambitious people I know are people who have mined the depths of the gospel and understand that they don't need to be ambitious, right? Yeah. But they do it as an act of worship, as an act of love, not as a means of grabbing for something that that work can never give them right yeah so that's one thing i would say um the other thing i would say on a more practical man maybe a more practical basis i don't know if it's more practical is and i talk a lot about this in my in my latest adult book redeeming your time okay uh recognizing that rest is one of the most productive things you can do and it sounds like an oxymoron but um <laughs> There was a really good study that came out of Stanford that showed that there is zero productivity gained from working 55 to 70 hours a week. Work 55 hours, work 70 hours, exact same productivity. Interesting. And after 70, it's actually less productive than people who worked 55 hours a week because oh, mentally yeah. you can't handle it. Yeah. Right. Um, and this is just pointing us back to good old Sabbath. And, and frankly, I am so sick and tired. Of the debate of is Sabbath commanded in the new covenant or not? This is such a silly argument. Here's the deal the God of the universe worked six days and rested one. To work and rest in the image of God is to work six days and rest one. Yeah. Period. And oh, by the way, there are lots of examples that point to the fact that this makes you more productive towards your goals see chick-fil-a yeah sure and it's productive for your soul most importantly because taking one day a week to rest and do nothing but engage with god's word and enjoy the good gifts he's given us reminds me that i have love and security regardless of my productivity which we talked about a minute ago so those are the two things i would say never stop preaching the gospel to yourself and rest because in my experience it's one of the most productive things you can do
0: that's excellent Another reason all my listeners should read your books right there. (laughs) You know, another thing that I pulled out of your book was your discussion on, uh, you know, perspectives on success and profit as a Christian uh, entrepreneur. And I wonder if there's a couple of words of wisdom around that. Like, how do you define success? This is a big one that I, these are actually really big ones that come up in the consultations I do pretty regularly is... You know, is it okay to even succeed or am I am I like on the edge of sin if I start to become pretty successful and oh, now I'm making money. Now what? Am I doing something wrong? Is that why I'm making money? Like people are so confused around success, profit, the redemptive yeah. element.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's such a good question. Here's the deal. I give you really hard to define what success is. I define it one word. Success is stewardship. That's it. It's not being the best. Right. It is doing the best with whatever talents God has given you. So that's that's stewarding. Yeah. So if I'm stewarding what God's given me and he's given me a lot more, how arrogant of me to be um, afraid of that. Right. Right? Or to say, no, 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 God, I don't want that. When he's giving you those blessings. Now, clearly for the Christ follower, those blessings aren't for us primarily. Right. Right. For others, here's the here's the sticky part though, and this is what I was talking about in my book called "The Create" in, in this chapter called uh, "The Purpose of Profit." Again, when we preach the gospel as when, when we basically say in our churches that the only thing we do of eternal significance is saving souls, then the only eternally significant use of profit is to donate it to the people doing the quote unquote real ministry. Wow. of saving souls. Wow, yeah. These things are totally. <laughs> yeah. But when I understand that there is real ministry being done within the four walls of my business, of fixing what's broken in creation, of sharing the gospel with my employees, of just building a great company and serving people through the ministry of excellence. Now, reinvesting profits into the venture to hire more people and touch more lives and have greater impact, it in my opinion, is just a viable option of what to do with those profits than it is to donate them outside of the business.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So I
1: just think we have this like really um, simplistic and unhealthy way of talking about profit in the church. Should we give outside of our businesses? Sure. Right. I do. Right. Right. Sure. But I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, da- I think it's dangerous territory to say that that is the only, or even frankly, the primary way the Christian should be using their profit. If you're doing real ministry within the four walls of your business, if you're doing real kingdom work within the four walls of your business, plow more money in the business, hire more people, have greater impact in the world.
0: That's great. (laughs) That's so good. Um, Let's see. Oh man. There's so many good points of stuff that I pulled out of your book. I generally just want to encourage people to read this book, especially if you're considering entrepreneurial endeavors And one of the things I like to ask, uh, you know, guys who have done this before have a bit of a significant track record is, you know, if you found yourself being able to go back in time and talk to the young you before you got into this, what would you tell yourself as an up and coming entrepreneur, somebody was going to be on that track. Like, because, you know, we're all very different people in our early 20s, mid 20s than we are later on yeah. after we've uh, put on some mileage. So, what if you ran into yourself, what would you tell yourself?
1: Totally. It, it is, it's what I mentioned a few minutes ago. Jordan, I would look 20 year old Jordan in the eye and say, Jordan, instead of spending the next decade of your life trying to prove to the world that you're not a chump trying to prove to the world that you are special and unique and to be valued, find your value in who Jesus Christ says you are. Know that you are loved regardless of how successful or unsuccessful you are. Your, your status as an adopted child of God is exactly the same, right? Right. Different rewards on the other side of heaven based on how I threw this life. But my status as an adopted child of God is the same. I, I, I have three really young daughters, uh, seven, six and two. And, um, I'm trying to like ingrain this in them now. And so every single night without fail, last thing I tell them before I leave their room, I say, Hey girls, you know, daddy loves you no matter how many bad things you do. And they say, yes. And this is the key for achievers like me (laughs) girls, you know, daddy, daddy also loves you no matter how many good things you do they say, yes. I say, who else loves you like that? And they say, Jesus. That's what I would have told 20-year-old Jordan. Hey, buddy, God's given you a lot of gifts, but regardless of how you use them, he loves you the same. Rest in that love.
0: Oh, that's excellent. It's all about identity. Everything's rooted yeah. in the right identity.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for being on the program and investing in this audience. Appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry, your heart. It really comes through, and I appreciate the authenticity that you bring to the table in these discussions around uh, redemptive entrepreneurship, the kingdom, the theology, all of it. It's really life-giving.
1: It's been a joy to be with you, Jonathan. Keep up the good work you're doing, brother.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.